0: Welcome to the Marshall Pro Podcast. In your week in IndyCar, listener Q&A show. It is Tuesday, November 7th, about 9.15 a.m., a somewhat rare Tuesday morning recording. Big thanks to y'all for everything you sent in. Another huge thank you to our friend Jerry Suddeth who puts together questions for our show each week. We have some, so we'll get into them here in a moment. Before we do that... Got to admit, I don't know if I'm waking up to the same things y'all are waking up to, but a lot of madness going on in the world right now sure is seemingly hard to read the news, look at anything on social media, wherever it is, just to wake up and not be punched in the face with something or multiple things where you go, that is dreadful that is depressing man uh yeah not great not great at the moment so i'm hoping silly little podcasts like this and other things that bring you joy and give you a little bit of a respite from those smacks upside the head by the world um seems like we are i know i'm needing not distractions right i'm not the type to pretend Whether it's wars, whether it is political stuff, whether it is mean things being done to one another, not the type to pretend that those things aren't happening. I digest all of that right off the bat in the morning to see what's happening in the world, but I do know that my whiplash reaction immediately after is, okay, need to balance that out with some positivity and light, maybe some humor. So don't know if this show does that for you. I hope that it can be if you find yourself in need of a, uh, a slight balancing of everything else in the world that's getting a little particularly heavy right now. So let's say a big thank you to y'all once again. The show continues to grow. I greatly appreciate y'all and the questions you send in, both serious and silly. Also really hugely appreciative of our show partners cooper tires the justice brothers torontomotorsports.com and discount tire so plenty to do this week again it's a tuesday morning home for about another 24 hours off tomorrow wednesday to san francisco which without traffic is about an hour each way but since there's no such thing as zero traffic in the san francisco bay area it can be an hour and a half plus each way, if not more. Heading into the city, uh, down wharf area, Presidio area. Um, follow up with our oncologist, who we love, new oncologist, who's just amazing. Uh, for those who don't know, again, no big deal, but uh, my wife has been back in the cancer fight. We've been back in the cancer fight for a little over a month now. And so heading into the city, follow-up appointment with our oncologist, get the update, get the report on how she is doing, and that consumes most of the day. So usually leave later in the morning and then get back in the night. So that'll be Wednesday. Get up Thursday morning, do a little bit of packing, and then off to Sonoma Raceway for what could be my final event of the year. Being the Velocity Invitational Vintage Jamboree at the track that I guess it's called Sonoma Raceway today, but it'll always be Sears Point to me. That's where I grew up. That's the track that I drove to every day as a teenager, working at one or more shops there. Hour plus drive, which I loved, going across the Golden Gate Bridge both ways each day. I'm just saying, like, how could you have a complaint in the world if that's how you're? Waking up and seeing the world driving across the Golden Gate Bridge and then on the way back. So, uh, gonna head up. Haven't been since maybe the last IndyCar race. What was that 2017 ish? 2018? I don't know, somewhere in there. 16? I'm not sure, but haven't been up there in a while. Obviously, looking forward to it. Gonna be collaborating with McLaren going to have all their indie car drivers there, Lando Norris, Tony Kanaan, Tanner Faust, and I don't know, maybe one or two others I'm forgetting, but going to try and do some cool in-car video stuff. Going to do a vehicular feature or two, all video based and cannot wait. So really looking forward to that. This will be my third Velocity Invitational. They're saying it's the fourth annual event not sure i understand that because i seem to recall the inaugural one being in 2021 and then there was 2022 and now they're doing 2023 so uh maybe they snuck one in that i missed but looking forward to that we'll be up there thursday event kicks off on friday and i'll be there saturday as well and head home should hopefully again be final i guess kind of final event of the year There's an IMSA test at Daytona in early December. I don't know if I'm going to that. But anyways, heading into this, what I'm thinking of is my final event of the year and can't wait. So hopefully there'll be some fun, cool things coming out of that in terms of video for y'all to watch. And with all that said, let's fire into your questions. We're going to kick off here with Andy Sterling, Corey Johnson, you asked something similar, Lancers 99 and a few others talking about indycar and video games console you just whatever platform you can imagine question here from andy is indycar agreed to exclusive gaming rights with a distress company while forfeiting its likeness the largest motorsport gaming platform in iRacing. only to now have questions as to whether said game will ever see the light of day out of touch with youth and poor choices yeah this was bad from the start this was something that was called out as what are y'all doing this is not going to work this is not going to ever reach completion from the moment it was announced now did folks know that for sure no speculation of course but from a reputation standpoint indycar's chosen gaming vendor this was i think in june or july of 2021 when this was announced uh, it's chosen gaming vendor not exactly steeped in awesomeness reputational glory or anything else that would just bring extreme comfort and confidence that all was going to go well all was going to reach the market and become real and since this announcement seemingly everybody who said it ain't happening y'all uh more and more indicators that it ain't happening have come through and so we've had nascar recently in october say hey yeah thanks we're gonna go a separate way aligned with iRacing, racing new product or products coming with i in 2025 on monday toka which owns the amazing british touring car championship one of the great long-standing video games uh toka said hey uh we are we're done we're out taking back our license don't foresee anything ever happening here with the game we agreed to and that actually being produced and so Having been alerted to that, I think first by our friend Ed Joris, who sends in questions quite frequently, and many others, reached out to IndyCar CEO, Penske Entertainment CEO, Mark Miles, said, hey, I'm sure you've been beaten upside the head today with folks saying, um, yet another indicator that the IndyCar game ain't never going to launch. Any thoughts or updates? Mark told me he had been alerted to this in the morning as well. By Alex Damron head of communications at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and gave what was a pretty familiar answer in recent months that being we're monitoring or gathering information etc cetera, etc cetera. you know we're aware of what's going on there and when he and I spoke about this the last time, I think it was in the week between Portland and Laguna Seca IndyCar finale. So what that would have been first week of September. Mark gave me kind of the same answer. Again, I didn't expect him to have anything new or any major revelations late yesterday when he rang back. Did say though, hey, a couple months ago when we spoke about this, I asked for a timeline on when IndyCar would make a decision and he said by the end of the year i asked has that changed or is that still in place in light of this latest development things that would all just fall in the the category of no confidence right and he said no um nothing has been pushed back timeline wise to make a decision would expect for IndyCar to make a final call as to whether it is going forward with motorsport games or not before the end of the year. So that was yesterday, Uh, at least for what I am reading on the world's number one uh, unsullied, always accurate source of information, that being uh, social media. I've had a couple of kind folks point me towards, uh, let's see, a note here being shared uh and i am just sharing this without having done any kind of investigation to confirm its accuracy that's not doubting the person just saying look y'all uh chasing this down as something i'm gonna spend hours doing just ain't it um having posted the little update with mark miles on racer uh kind at jason underscore galvin pointed me to a tweet from mike straw at mike straw media uh says in an update to my story on the indycar game the entirety of the indycar development team has been laid off at motorsports games we should know more about the game later today but it is increasingly likely it's dead unless it's sold off there's a earnings report call something along those lines uh, meant to happen today with motorsport uh slash motorsport games so um are we ever gonna have it uh i would say it sure seems like that's not something we're gonna expect to happen with indycar's chosen gaming vendor so with nascar having said we're abandoning ship and going to iRacing, racing would i be surprised if we read about indycar engages with iRacing racing to do game and Since we know NASCAR has parted ways and has set a 2025 timeline for their next game done with iRacing, I don't know if they were to align themselves with iRacing if I would expect anything to arrive from that relationship before the NASCAR game. So it is easy to point and laugh and go see we told you this is what would happen and it has happened (sighs) i'm not of that mind i'm more of the mind that this is yet again not just a failure of indycar to truly listen this is just something that damages indycar not from the specific call it incident but from the how many additional years is it going to take how much more time is going to be lost before indycar will have something new and modern that its existing fans can play and enjoy gaming overstating the obvious it's pretty dang popular how much longer will those who have been pining for this and waiting how much longer will they have to wait first of all and then the real thing we hope has the greatest benefit is for those who don't know indycar exists and might learn about it through gaming got to admit it was really really an eye-opening thing to hear from so many people back when this was announced and even beforehand saying i had no clue what indycar was but through its gaming history with whatever platforms and vendors this is where i learned about it and then decided to check out the sport itself and fell in love with it not saying indycar is going to double its fan base once it has a new game but i can tell you that it's just one of those spaces if you're not in it and you're not active and you're not really engaging you are without a doubt doing less than you should to really build a bigger better and more connected universe and so that to me is the part that is most frustrating chosen vendor got it most folks who know this stuff i'm not one of them but most folks who know this stuff said at the time you have chosen failure from the outset IndyCar has defended this up, down, left, right, and sideways. I know one, well, one person within Penske entertainment's leadership is a hundred percent team motorsport slash motorsport games. And I'm guessing their all in <laughs> uh probably contributed heavily to this decision, despite so many folks saying don't do it, but looks like a lesson could be on the way here to pay greater attention but moreover i hate the fact that this is yet another scenario where indycar becoming more modern more relevant whether it's through gaming whether it's through the cars whether it's through marketing whether it's through whatever you go oh laps down yet again Let's move on to our next question. And for those who are newer listeners, we tend to have a deeper topic positioned up front by our guide, Jerry Siddoth. And then we dive into questions in a more flowing manner afterwards. Mike Caruso, you are P2 on the question qualifying grid. It seems that hybrid testing schedule will not give all drivers the same opportunities to experience the new system in a private test during the offseason it's a great point mike and i've heard from and spoken with drivers who've expressed this frustration it says how many drivers could show up at st pete having not tested with a hybrid package at all is there an unfair advantage for top chevy and honda teams that seem to be logging most of the miles and testing yes on the last question um but not unfair been weighing this mike in terms of What is this? Is this bad? Is this good? Is this neutral in terms of the Penske's, Andrettis, McLaren's, and Ganassi's have done all of the hybrid testing on behalf of their manufacturer, be it Chevy or Honda. Uh, The way it has been pretty much forever in this modern era, so... Since 2012, Chevy and Honda have chosen their testing teams for whatever it is, and that's who they go and do whatever testing with, whether it's engine test, aerodynamic tests, in this case, hybrid engine package testing. That's the way it's been. Is that fair in terms of in a spec series, mostly spec series, in an era that's been spec for a long time, Is it fair to create a have and have not scenario where the Ed Carpenter racings, Meyerschank racings and so on aren't getting out doing hybrid testing for the manufacturers? It's hard to say no to that, but there's also a merit-based element to this as well. Last thing here to consider is also Quality. So on the merit side, you say, well, hey, if Ed Carpenter Racing was kicking everybody's butt, uh, you absolutely would expect Chevy to say, hey, Ed Carpenter Racing, we want you to go and run a car for us for multiple days here or there doing whatever. If you're not, they're probably not going to rely on you. Again, I realize that from a competition standpoint, where the rules are written, So many things are spec. So many things are equalized to create parity. When it comes to testing and preparing modified engines, developed engines with newer parts and pieces for the 2024 season to work out the kinks and understand and lock down the energy recovery system spec, then mass produce those, that's where i have no interest whatsoever mike in fair what i want is best if i am chevy i want my two best teams maybe three if there are three that are truly kind of on par with one another i want my one or two best teams to do all that testing for me why simple same for honda as well they're better than the others Right? Chevy is spending untold millions, nine figures uh, over the last however many years. Uh, they'll spend eight f- figures for sure uh, in 2024 to compete in IndyCar. That's not something you want to trust to a team that farts around in 18th place. 22nd place heck even 15th place or 12th place you're wanting a team that has demonstrated through the quality of its drivers almost if not more importantly through the quality of its engineers race engineer assistant engineer performance engineer all kinds of engineers that they are professors of excellence know everything, learn everything, go about things the best possible way as a package to return the greatest quality of information to Chevrolet. This is why we don't have a push by Chevy and Honda to make sure that every team gets a trophy in testing because they're not there to make sure that all of the folks who lease their engines just feel happy and warm and have had their belly rubbed. What they're wanting to do is beat their rival. This is why we have this dynamic where two teams from each manufacturer have been given the full responsibility of doing all the testing. And knowing the bigger picture here, that this is about studying, preparing, making the best possible scenario for yourself to go out and win big races and the championship next season you're not going to rely on a team that either has drivers who are inferior to the best or race engineers who are second tier third tier compared to the best to then get less than amazing feedback data and so on to develop your overall hybrid engine package So that's why I don't see this as an unfair advantage, because you have to take this out of the context of 17 race, whatever, full-season competition. If we look, though, at what happens when we get into that full season, go to St. Pete, without a doubt, there will be drivers. Scott Dixon's one of them, Will Powers another, who've done a heck of a bunch of the hybrid testing. Granted, those two maybe more of those big miles completed early, right? So, would there there been developments on the engine side for both brands and tweaks and adjustments and improvements to the energy recovery systems? Yes. So, maybe they don't have a mass of miles in the final final spec. Or 2024 but they will at least have a lot of mileage and have a really good idea really good understanding mike of the entire package that they'll be driving more so than augustine canapino or stingray rob or devlin DiFrancesco or name some of the others who Renus vk who just not been put to work by the manufacturers There will be private testing once all of the teams receive their own energy recovery systems. Uh, Still need to work out with IndyCar what the testing plan is going to be, right? It's going to be, it should be a little bit more than usual um, so that they can go wherever they end up going and learn on their own. So this isn't a case and shouldn't be a case where, any drivers getting to saint pete having not uh driven a 2024 spec hybrid indycar that should not happen at all there's no reason i can think of for that to happen Um, the exact testing plan though how many days of testing will be allowed i still need to get that part mapped out by indycar and also the exact delivery time i know that there's been a stated goal of trying to get one system to each team by december I mean, that's only a couple weeks away but more to follow on this um but stuff like this just keep in mind this testing that's going on has nothing to do with making sure that a midfield or tail end team is in great shape it's about chevy trying to beat the heck out of honda and vice versa and using the best and sharpest tools to accomplish that uh peter carlson how are you doing peter you got a bunch of great questions here uh will the romag rochon and hunkos hollinger racing quote marriage make it to the halfway mark of the 2024 season before things get really ugly there too i do Uh, i i think we not only make it to the halfway mark i'm gonna go out on a limb of positivity here and say that this relationship turns out to be the most amazing and surprising thing that none of us would have thought would have worked. Why? Because they know going in that they have the potential for a nuclear explosion. We know for sure this is something that Ricardo's aware of, Romain is aware of. I would also say... I think Roma is fully aware of the fact that came in with Dale Coyne Racing, did some really good and impressive things with a midfield team as a rookie. Got a call to come and join one of IndyCar's biggest teams, one of the traditional big three, as it's been called for a couple decades, that being Andretti Autosport, now Andretti Global along with chip Ganassi racing and team penske got the call to join one of the big three got there and didn't really go well right finished 13th in the championship two years in a row uh there was great potential and that potential was never fully realized it also had a lot of blow-ups a lot of small nuclear bombs went off we know that the things that failed there weren't entirely vehicular right there are certainly some car problems chassis issues other things that derailed Roma more often than anyone let on but when we look back at that time we can say that more than any other reason interpersonal items kept both sides from getting the most of the relationship and ultimately brought an end to it sooner than anyone anticipated. Roman knows he's headed to Hunko's Hollinger Racing, a team with great potential, but one that is below Dale Coin Racing, not by much, but below and certainly well behind in ready Auto Sport. He is fully aware that in three to four years he has slid back a decent amount there are not many other places to go below hunkos hauling a racing and i'm not saying critical things of whom i think the hunkos hauling a racing team did amazing last season and i think they're gonna do amazing next season just looking at where they were team wise uh flirting with shank flirting with uh, Carpenter and Foyt for kind of of bottom-of-the-field type stuff. So this is not a scenario where he can allow things to get bad and go really, really sideways because there are not too many steps left below Hunkos to go. And if you are going backwards seemingly after being with one of the big three teams and you're landing well behind one of the big three you have to know that you are facing one of your final shots at least in IndyCar so I take all that I know maybe this is a little bit deeper than desired since you've got three questions or three or four items here but I think this survives because of the awareness Romain knows he has to make this work. If it doesn't work here, there's no one else I can think of that's going to call and say, come drive my car. This is his last shot with a decent team. I think the knowledge of that ahead of time, Ricardo also knowing that, hey, we screwed up more than once with Callum Ilott. I think the awareness of these things, that's what, should make this a great surprise now if this all explodes please refer back to this episode among many i mean there are a lot of episodes you can do this but be sure to refer back to this episode november 7th 2023 as one where pruitt just really truly said some of the dumbest things ever so uh there's that uh your second question what are your thoughts on what sponsor logos will decorate marcus erickson's ride i have no clue genuinely have no clue on that one and i have invested no time to inquire or investigate so uh yeah i got nothing for you here mark uh for marcus peter uh third you ask will connor Daly land a seat for the indy 500 And if so who's the likely suitor uh spent about a half hour on the phone with young connor yesterday and he's got three options and he asked to keep those options quiet uh, so I'll do that. But I mean, if you were to look at the teams with extra cars, likely for the Indy 500, uh, Foyt running a third, wouldn't be a crazy idea. Drawing Reinbold running, I guess a normal car, not so much an extra, but that's where they tend to show up. Uh, could Hunkos Hollinger do a third potentially Dale Coyne, a third, potentially Ray Hall. Um, yeah. I assume Andretti will be running Marco Andretti again, but by chance, if he chooses not to, do they run an extra car or an extra, extra car? Talk about able Motorsports and what they're hoping to do. Uh, it seems like there's a half dozen ish options out there. So it's great to hear from Connor that it sounds like there's potentially three uh for him to consider and he was very very confident he will be in a car for the 500 so that is what makes me happiest of all and then finally you say uh last but not least all the best to your wife shabrell thank you peter appreciate your uh thoughtful multi-point questions and also the kind close uh chuck obendorf we're sticking with our guy canorius Daly. Any team's talking to Connor or has his time come to move on? Um, the other, the deeper, longer part of the conversation with Connor was on that very topic, Chuck, and he made his IndyCard debut in what, 2013 at the Indy 500 with AJ Foyt. So we're talking 10 years and he's had a couple of full seasons here or there, rarely in great opportunities but i know i feel like he's been fighting for this long enough and it just hasn't panned out the way that he wants i know that him doing the indy 500 means a lot obviously so i think he will continue trying to do that for many years to come nascar though is really where he wants to make a fresh investment of time and energy and see if he can turn some of the select races he's done into a more consistent career path. Could he find a full season ride in trucks or Xfinity or something like that and really try and give that a go. So that is something Chuck that, yeah, um, he really wants to do and is seeing similar things of like, okay, there's nothing full season, even part time right now. That's available in IndyCar for him. So maybe it is time to look for a new career path. Uh, you ask also, what about Sentino Ferrucci? He had the Foyt's best Indy 500 many years. Indeed, finished third there, Chuck. Say, inquiring minds want to know. He also sweet too, say prayers to you and Chabrell to keep up the good fight. Thank you, Chuck. Uh, yeah, interviewed Larry Foyt about two weeks ago. I am hoping to get a call from Larry today, which would then make it easy for me to publish that interview. Um, in that interview, said they definitely want to continue with Santino. Having to figure out the the money side, right? Get the finances for the car all sorted out. But there is absolute desire, without a doubt, to continue with Santino and the Clear goal is to do that full time. Had heard there was a consideration of part time, not because of anything Santino's done wrong, but more of a if we're unable to find the full budget for the full season, could we need to look at doing a split routine with Santino in for the ovals and who knows if he'd do any other road courses? But basically, have someone pay to do the road and street courses while Santino uh is quote you know our chosen driver and the one that we go do the ovals with so that is something larry said is a fallback plan not one they want to really have to think about it's there though if needed for them to pursue that but they're trying first and foremost to cover off the full season budget for that number 14 aj Foyt racing chevy so they can have santino the whole of 2024 Uh, eric franklin you say what does the the first quote indy 500 car 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 count article let me try that again and i'll use uh my ability to read words and enunciate eric franklin asks when does the first indy 500 car count article get written seems like there will be bumping this year next year do you ever foresee a car count that might lead to bumping at other races pit lanes are getting a little tight in a few spots i love the idea we're gonna be bumping today at barber (sighs) i've asked jay fry this question of hey could we exceed pit lane spaces or who knows maybe even paddock space at wherever um outside of the indy 500 that might lead you to have to either not accept an entry uh or two or do something like this actual hey There are one or two cars that did not qualify. And he said, no, we never want to have to do that. Um, So that's something any car is committed to not allowing. Toronto is the clear one, I think, Eric, that stands out as a, if that were to happen anywhere due to the well-known pit lane limitations there, uh, that could be the one where I think this potential issue gets managed is if we're talking about a place where we know again we're limited on pit lane pit boxes if we're talking about an event where someone might want to run an extra car or two right i think that's really where indy cars focus themselves if we can be at 27 no more than 28 full-time cars we're pretty much full up if for whatever reason, at Toronto or Detroit, or again, who knows where else, um, a team wants to fire in an extra entry or two. This might be a case where we would say, Hey, we're going to look forward to seeing you at Name Another Track. Um, you know, Mid Ohio is a great example of they use pretty much all the space they got. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to jam any more cars in there. If it's an I I don't know, a Texas, which we don't go to anymore, but if it's a Texas, you go, well, all right, we could conceivably wedge a few more, who knows how many more on pit lane. Uh, Iowa, you know, that, that's not the biggest track in the world, so I don't know if we're going to jam too many more in there, but is it a circuit where we think we could squeeze one or two extra? We'll talk about it, but I think this is an issue eric that indycar manages before we even get to the event and who knows we might not even hear about it might be more of a private communication to a team to say hey appreciate you wanting to do that here but uh this might not be the event let's find another one as for the first indy 500 car count um until i spoke with connor last night i hadn't thought about it but i did after speaking with him um point taken i should get my ass to work eric so hopefully soon uh why don't we move on to jeremiah s c h n mp any dark horse names in the running for dale coin racing like polo was i don't know if it's dark horse formula two championship leader there's only one event left uh theo poor is one that i know last year i'd heard he was interested in indycar and i think had mentioned his name in a silly season piece then had a couple of folks tell me no totally wrong whatever idiot okay granted i get those responses with everything so it's kind of the norm but um he did tell racers chris medlin that yes he is indeed uh interested in indycar and although dale didn't say his name when we recently spoke for an article um he said enough things to make it fairly clear he's one of the candidates that they were considering um that's maybe the only one that jumps out to fit that uh dark horse theme jeremiah and granted a guy leading the f2 championship not exactly a where did he come from type guy but would say unless you are a real fan of f1 and f2 might not be a name you're familiar with just because he has no profile over here whatsoever so yeah uh that's the one uh jordan darwin say mp purse you and your wife you say so what are simon Pagano's 2024 prospects couldn't help but think how i miss the menards colors in indycar after seeing ryan blaney as the new nascar cup champion the other side of Penske's shop yeah uh don't have an answer there um had a nice social call with simon over the weekend but uh racing's not a area or topic of conversation until he wants to make it as such so i don't have an answer for you um but it was certainly great to uh, catch up with simon Um, on other matters but i don't know if there are any prospects for him next season maybe other than the indy 500 and i say maybe because he would indeed need to get out do some testing and show folks that he is indeed his same badass oval beast self No question to me that he is still that guy. That doesn't go away, right? Um, But I think as I mentioned multiple times uh, last year after his crash, uh, without a chance to get out and demonstrate to the paddock that he is good, he is fine, there's no lingering concussion effects to prohibit him from driving a race car at top speed and doing amazing things for a team until he's able to get out and do that and show teams it's all good It's all behind me it's going to be a limiting factor and i hate that but if a basketball player had a pretty serious injury of whatever sort that did not allow them to play basketball and you questioned whether they would still be able to play you'd want to see them dribble the ball and shoot some shots before saying yep gonna sign you to my team it's not great but it's also 100 percent practical and what you would expect so we need to get through that assuming that can happen in a timely manner before those aforementioned seats close. And I'll also admit, I'm um, looking here, and I don't know if many or, yeah, I don't think there are many that are truly, we're going to hire you. Uh, the majority of them have bring a budget attached to them. And so for those who are ones who would be paid, I think they're already in deep conversations with the team or teams that are wanting to hire them. So this, again, is just the timely part of this, Jordan, where if we're going to get Simon back at the Indy 500, since all the full-time or even part-time seats are getting gobbled up pretty quickly. We're going to have Simon back at the 500. It's not like it has to happen tomorrow, in terms of getting out, and testing, and being fine. But you are on the clock a bit, and the ones that tend to linger in terms of being open into the new year and within a month or two of the 500 tend to be the ones that involve spending the most amount of money because those teams know they're going to be there, have a car have a crew ready to go they're waiting to see the best driver they can find who brings the most amount of money and balancing those two items against each other before making a decision so it's the ones where you get hired to drive that tend to get resolved first and that's where the there's a little bit of urgency so yeah Uh, let's see where do we go next ed joris say will the hybrids have brake by wire for the rear axle at least for the road and street courses wouldn't controlling brake bias be horribly complex without it uh you'd have to assume so right ed um yeah so i wouldn't know how we would engage rear energy harvesting done through the braking system through the rear axles if there were not some form of break by wire to intervene and manage brake pressure otherwise we'd be locking brakes the entire time uh let's see we're down to the last page so we're going to rock and roll through these and then let you go about the rest of your day uh frederick wakeman how you doing frederick oh great to hear from you brother say big hug to you and your wife thank you brother say i hope you succeed in fighting the cancer oh we're going to uh, we have, we've have beaten it multiple times in the past and we will win this one as well. Say so you recently had your first six month checkup, but I haven't heard from a doctor yet, but focus on what is fun. Indy looks to be a good lineup and a top 10 where almost anyone can take the top position next year, which years are comparable or is it perhaps next year being the best year ever? Ah, I mean... There have been a lot of amazing years uh, for sure. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't position next year as some sort of all-time great because we know that we've had all-time greats with the Marios and the AJs and the Mearses and the Rutherfords and the Gordies and the Michael Andretti's and the run-down-the-list MOs. We've had a lot of amazing years and amazing heroes put on incredible fights alencer jr uncle bobby alencer rundown that's just touching on a lot of names from the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s a little bit so yeah i would say without a doubt we're looking at an amazing potentially amazing field next year throw in kyle larson who uh, should just add some great interest for what's coming there team penske being on their game for the first time in a while at the 500 this past May, winning the thing as well. Chevy, after getting mollywopped in 2022, coming back and being in great shape last year, last May, I should say. Um, A lot of great themes. So, yeah, Pato, the Arrow McLaren team being, I think, uh, phenomenal, right? They're one to look forward to right pato we know wow watch out for that guy malucas really thrives on ovals and then they have freaking indy 500 winner alexander rossi who's also super super good so i think that team should be really impressive alex polo i mean he to me seems to be the the next guy to win the indy 500 we know that he has run up front been close been on pole obviously uh, between himself and scott Dixon. That's a, a very formidable duo. We'll see how the rest of the Ganassi squad measures up, right? Two rookies, three rookies. Linus Lindquist, we know he's a badass. I think he'd be pretty darn good at Indy. Uh, Marcus Armstrong, don't know. We'll see. Um, and then Kiffin Simpson, don't know. We'll see. Can say for sure until we have evidence of how those three rookies perform. We can say Ganassi will be at its weakest at the 500 in a little while, right? Losing Marcus Erickson, giving them a a three-driver badass trio, no longer have Marcus. So he, we would expect, would be phenomenal at Indianapolis with his new team in Dreddy Global. Colton has been good there, still waiting for a breakout event for him. Kyle Kirkwood, who was running super well in the race before being hit by felix Rosenqvist, so we'll see what happens there but we know kyle's i think really demonstrated some great aptitude there and you can work down through a number of the other teams too uh renas vk badass for sure ed carpenter getting back into a, a stronger engineering uh, alignment uh, i think he's going to be a revelation uh we haven't seen the baddest of badass side of Ed for a little while on Oval, so I think we're going to see that again. Christian Rasmussen, that kid's a monster. Can't wait. Run down the list. To your point, there's a lot of teams. You go, hey, this is going to be fun. This is really going to be fun. So I'm with you. I think picking a winner is going to be very hard. I think where I mentioned Palo looks like the person. Next on the winner's list would also throw our guy, Scotty McLaughlin in there. Uh, Will Power, I'm hoping, has a great rebound of a season. Um, run down the list, Frederick, and it, it's silly. So I'm with you. I love it. Can't wait to get there. Uh, Swinglish-ish, at Swinglish-ish. Hey, Marshall, do you ever see any car reducing the number of practice sessions like NASCAR has? Say, if the series runs into hard times economically would the teams ever agree to this or is practice too important to get rid of uh too important to get rid of already have complaints from teams wanting more or have had complaints of teams wanting more practice time uh they pay a pretty steep price for an annual engine lease for each entry and annual tire lease for each entry so if hard times were happened upon unless there was a dialing down of those least costs costs and that therefore meant fewer miles turned, fewer tire sets provided everything would have to be downsized if it's just taking away more track time uh while still paying full price for everything yeah that's where you have a revolt so we're going to go ahead and try and eliminate that but no um I think one of the things NASCAR has gone through, and this was a COVID thing, right, where they kind of said, hey, we're more or less going to go straight into the race kind of deal, or that's what it felt like. Um, It has shifted a bit to be more about Sundays. I know that they race on Saturdays from time to time, but this has just shifted to me to be more about the race itself. I don't know if IndyCar is big enough, strong enough, popular enough to do that. Uh, they put on events where they really do intend for you at most places to be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And they already at most events have turned Friday into this very weird, we do nothing all day long. And then late in the afternoon, we run one session, 75 minutes, and then we go away. So that's where for these three day events, St. Pete, Long Beach, Barber, and so on and so forth you end up relying really heavily on the support series. So if you're a big fan of IndyCar and you just got your tickets to Detroit or Road America and you can't wait and you get there and you load in and you're whatever, drive in, walk in, Friday morning, and you are ready to go, you're watching a lot of cars that are not IndyCars. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Hopefully you love all the support series and USF championships and, indian xt or who knows maybe it's uh, Turing cars or jeet who knows but i will say the we're gonna hold the main show the main act until mid to late afternoon on a friday run once and then go away i'd say it's already making fridays a bit of a non event so not saying we're already there with what you're talking about, but I'm saying the feeling, instead of having uh, two practice sessions, one mid to late morning, one in the afternoon on Friday, to really give the feel that, hey, the big show's here and we're running hard and off we go. It's already been surrendered a bit uh, with the COVID inspired event schedules. So I feel like there's not too much more to take away. And if they were, I think it would hurt instead of improve the series. If they were to hit hard times, they'd obviously need to make whatever adjustments they had to survive. But yeah, taking things away from fans and expecting them to be more engaged and more loyal, I just don't know where that happens in sport, entertainment, or anywhere else in a successful manner. Uh, Sam Hubbard, So MP, are there any more updates on what's in store for an additional RLL entry for Yuri Vips? Highly rumored they were working on a fourth entry, but it seems those talks have dwindled. Wishing you and yours the best. Thank you, Sam. Um, Bobby Rahal said in a Zoom IndyCar teleconference that I was on and others were on that they have a desire and want to run a fourth car on occasion, as you mentioned, and would like to do that with Yuri Vips, who's under contract. There's one limiting factor, and that is unless it's going to become ROL's Flintstone mobile where they cut a hole in the floor and Yuri uses his Flintstone-esque feet to propel the car forward and stop it, uh, they need a motor. In a silly season piece I hope to have out, I don't know, today, tomorrow, something like that. Um, There's one interesting thing. Thing here um and that is what about that fourth andretti car they want to maybe run a fourth they want to maybe downsize to three uh i think i revealed that in august maybe i don't remember when but that's been known for a while they've yet to make a decision on whether they're going to run three or four Honda is contractually obligated to provide four for Andretti Autosport if Andretti chooses to run four. If they do not, that's where a potential engine lease could be apportioned to a team or multiple teams, right? Doesn't mean if Andretti decides to run three that another team automatically gets that unused fourth engine. It just means that Honda Performance Development can decide whether it wants to say, hey, Ray Hall, who've asked if you could run a fourth car uh, with one of our engines, we will happily provide that to you for X amount of dollars for X number of races. Not talking Indy 500, just talking elsewhere. Um, or, hey, Dale Coin, you might want to run some extra stuff, and hey, here's a motor to use for those races. Really truly comes down to is there an engine? Prior to Ganassi choosing to run a fifth car full season for our guy Kiffin Simpson, there was kind of a floating motor that could be made available when they went to five, which was known to be a possibility but really did not seem like a high probability there's a bit of a surprise here for sure sam of oh you are oh, you are and i know we're talking about RLL hoping to get one well then why would ganassi just get one because they decided to run a somewhat unheralded rookie well there are perks to being the champ <laughs> okay there are perks to being honda's best team so that's why they get the the extra motor that really no one thought was going to be needed that now makes a RLL running a fourth or coin, maybe running a third, someplace who knows. Um, we are on Andretti three or four watch, and if it's three, possibilities are there. If it's four, ain't happening. Um, as for Vips, yeah, uh, I have a feeling that kid will be driving a car for RLL in 2025 whether it is in the 15 car, Graham Rahal's or Christian Lingard's in the 45. Um, we'll have to see. Uh, Andrew Miller, you say, I presume Penske Entertainment doesn't quote poach sponsors, but Sancio shifting to the Indy Grand Prix and no announcements about what a Road America's IndyCar race sponsor is going forward doesn't seem great. Um, well, I guess keep in mind that Sancio was Penske's sponsor came to them first or if they went and found them again I'm not I wouldn't know how the relationship was forged but this is a sponsor seen on their cars first uh, before we saw them become an event sponsor so my guess is uh, this is probably a sponsor placed with the event compared to Road America going and signing a independent sancio deal themselves sancio being car care products and services something like that um you also say i'm hoping the uh hoping for the the culver's wisconsin wisconsin triple header next year serving as a title sponsor of both road america and milwaukee with the bonus if a driver can win it elkhart and mealy walk a a million if they can win two out of the three ten million if they run the table so i've got that problem handled Look, you're IndyCar's new development of creative stuff. Uh, You show up at 16th in Georgetown on Monday and just tell them I'm ready to start my new job. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Let's see, Ryan Terpstra, as we wind down here, our guy Ryan says, so Joseph Newgarden must tattoo Ryan Blaney's face on his thigh. Uh, I guess that's a bet they made if Blaney won the championship, maybe, I don't know. Um, He says, wasn't... Your guy Chris Wheeler is supposed to do something like that too. Yes, he's weaseled out of it. Not impressive whatsoever. Uh, Steve Bonnick, you say, I don't have any good or even marginal questions, but I did want to let you know this Friday is Wizard Day for those who celebrate, and we're going to have at least a small Prue Day contingent celebrating on Saturday. I might need to move some money around before then. I think Steve's referring to uh, uh, drinking some of my favorite beer, which he turned me on to and, and gave me uh, two years ago at Road America, that being Wizard Burial Ground. Uh, about a million percent alcohol. Oh, yes. my He, he Steve, gets me. Uh, my standard practice of if I can see through a beer, I won't drink it, he gets me. I like my thick, dark beers my wife refers to as my teriyaki beers. Uh, and yeah, wizard burial ground is just everything that makes my life great. So I assume Steve is talking about wizard day on Friday and over the weekend, consuming some of those amazing yet somewhat pricey and rare beers. Uh, also for those who aren't aware, uh, pretty amazing group of people, uh, formed around the podcast and have become friends and they talk about racing every day. And, uh, many of them have become really close friends and join up and go to races together and, or just gather at the races and watch and have fun and roam around and their name is the prude day if you have an interest in joining that group um making some new friends some new indy car and sports car friends who talk about life the universe and everything and are really really prone towards positivity and fun uh check out the description for the show here there's an email address you can uh use and they will welcome you into their daily chat on discord and the family um jj gertler how you doing jj you say when a car has been tubbed aka destroyed and the carbon fiber fixes well when a car is tubbed that means it's been killed just as a little nomenclature thing so uh saying the car was tubbed means you killed the tub uh but let's just go with an example of it not being tubbed and destroyed uh and the carbon fiber fixes are done by a team Uh, How do they test the monocoque to understand how stiff it is and how it is likely to behave? Or do they only find out once it's on the track? Um, If it's a mostly cosmetic thing, right? Maybe went over, drove over something that put a dent in the tub. um, That's something a team could do most likely in terms of carbon fiber repair. But if it's something where it's like, hey, this thing took a big hit, something cracked, something broke, was torn out, um, this is where the car is sent to not many, but could be a Delara for repairs. Could be Aerodynes, another one in and around Indy, um, where this is done by folks who uh, are top-tier, crazy-level professionals and you know you're going to get back a car that is just as able as it was before that big whatever damage that was done um you do a a torsion test where things will get benchmarked when they're brand new and the traditional way of doing this is you will mount usually it's the the back of the car right back of the car to a fixture um that holds it rigid in the air and you will then twist it you will mount A twisting apparatus at the front and measure how much the tub twists how much it deflects based on the amount of load that you place on it so it is treating the car like a spring and twisting it not compressing it front to back but twisting it to see how much it deflects over a specific distance quarter inch inch whatever it might be uh and this applies going back a really long time to aluminum tubs aluminum honeycomb tubs uh steel and then again up through composites into carbon fiber um that's how they'll do that and this is something that gets done on a semi decent basis uh not once a week once a month but this is done usually at least once a year if not more with each chassis because this is a way to measure its its worthiness over its lifespan and is this thing flexing more is it flexing now to a degree that is in a range where you go okay uh, it might be time to retire this granted we do have some chassis not many but some original 2012 Delara DW12s still in action so yeah Uh, a well-built carbon fiber tub would not necessarily become kind of a wet noodle over time but this is something that teams would say monitor in a pretty decent frequency uh, because you do not want to run a car that is twisting and flexing because uh, not only will the handling be very poor aerodynamics will be very poor and it's really hard to overcome such a thing when the chassis itself has become a sagging spring uh zach dean say since we're going to the off season i have a different question i've always wondered what generally happens to old race cars after they are retired what does a team do with them uh all depends so frequently you say welcome to the show car tour and you'll find all kinds of older indie cars you'll even find uh newer indie cars ones that have had following jj's question ones that have been tubbed ones that have been really truly beaten up beyond repair (coughs) they will get turned into show cars and if they've had actual tub damage that would be visible you know if they had some sort of crash whatever it was where you go oh Tub is dead and it's in a visible area. There'll certainly be some cosmetic work done to pretty that up. Uh, but yeah, you often see them becoming show cars. Rarer scenario, they are sold and continue. And I guess I'm limiting myself to IndyCar because obviously there are a lot of other cars you can buy and keep running without real issue, but since we are talking about an engine lease scenario heck even going back to like the kart indycar era of the 90s and early 2000s dario franchiti i've mentioned here before has one of his team cool green renards all he wants is to acquire a honda 2.65 liter turbo v8 to put in the back of it and go drive it again honda's not making one available um that's the issue here, where depending on the era of the car, we're sticking with indie cars here, Zach. You could buy a retired Del dw twelve. Are you gonna get a motor to run it? That's a situation that's not gonna happen right now. Could it happen in the future if they go to a new formula? Maybe. Um the previous generation naturally aspirated V8. Indy cars, IRL cars, uh, have seen some of those in vintage racing. And those motors, not the Hondas at the end, where it was all spec Honda Performance Development V8s, but prior to that, uh, we had production-based motors where they were built by a lot of independent tuners. Before we got into the full manufacturer side and everything is intellectual property that's being protected you could have many different builders buy a short block kit build it out and go run it that's what we did uh, back in the day in the IRL and so not a surprise that some of those IRL cars are still out running around Some converted to road course racing. Saw, I think, 2002, 2003, someone had converted, I think it was a G-Force IRL car with a Chevy Oldsmobile V8 in the back doing road course racing with it. Keep in mind, the IRL didn't switch to a mixed oval and road racing calendar until 2005. So that was someone who truly was like, hey, uh, I'm going to modify this oval only uh Indy car uh to do road racing which i thought was pretty cool but yeah we don't see a ton of them but there are some that do run uh but this is all pre-dw12 <coughs> what's really cool is the cart era cars where there were more readily available cosworth turbo v8s some other iterate some other v8s even buick v6s which weren't like proprietary items Zach, and so we get to see some of those run like we did with brian herda's 1998 renard that was pretty amazing that uh getting a hold of a a ford cosworth motor that's what allowed him to go out and run uh darren king you're gonna close the show i think you're the last question above the red line of death say no question but a request for a cool old cheating story you have to have one or two please tell us one you know, I, I was thinking about this a weekend or two ago when I was up at moving our storage facility, and it's not an on-track cheating one, because those are, I think, the most prevalent cheating stories, but it's an off-track one, which I thought of when I saw the engine cover to the 1998 Delara IR-97, I think it was called, whatever. Uh, the first Delara IndyCar chassis uh, and back with the Genoa racing Indy lights team, actually before that formula Atlantic team, then Indy lights team. Then we became a IndyCar slash IRL team worked with, worked for Genoa across those three team evolutions. The end of the 97 season, and uh, we'd run Greg Ray, mostly funded by Greg and his family Angelo Faro, the owner of Genoa Racing, also put in some money. And there's a lot of folks putting in modest amounts of money for us to go and run about half the schedule, it feels like. I forget exactly. But uh, that was the first, I think, yeah, like, foolish season um, of the IRL. But anyways, first year with the brand-new, naturally aspirated, bespoke chassis formula. And so at the end of 97, Delara had come up with a update Package for the car's arrow, and it was a pretty decent, sizable update. Uh, new side pods, new floor, new nose, new that, new everything. Um, and so, having started to remove that bodywork and having to cut some pieces off the chassis, there was like a new air intake, the overhead air scoop that surrounds the roll hoop on the car. That took a little bit of effort to get off. So I was doing that, getting all this stuff going. And got the update kit. We started installing all that. And so we've got a lot of big bodywork left over from ninety seven that is no longer needed. Right? It's not a spare to bring because there's a full ninety eight package that's been installed. And so team was just gonna throw it all away and I was like, well, I mean Cause we didn't ha- really have any space in our shop, which is pretty small. And so I think team co-owner Tom Knapp was like, look, if you want to, if you're stupid enough to want to hold on to this, you're welcome to. I'm like, sure. Why not? Who knows? It just struck me as like, Hey, this is like cool body work. You know, some of this is run at the Indy 500 and been used here. Like, I don't know. Just th- genuinely placing all this in the dumpster didn't make any sense to me. So uh borrowed the borrowed a truck and a trailer and brought it up to a storage facility and that's where it sat for all these years um so while moving this stuff around uh was reminded on the engine cover darren we had a sponsor at the final race named vetro racina i don't remember it was italian company and i don't remember what vetro racina was or did some sort of goods uh i don't know what it was but it was a name that had been seen like in european racing in the 80s and 90s formula 3000 or something similar to indy lights but i remember i'd seen it before and it reminded me oh that's when we put a fake sponsor on the car at the final race, I feel like it might have been Las Vegas. I could be wrong, but we ran the car with Vetro Racina on it at the final race. And so all this memory came back to me of the changing of the bodywork and the saving of the bodywork and then seeing it again recently and seeing the Vetro Racina on the engine cover. And all this stuff came flooding back. So, why would we put a fake sponsor on an car at an IndyCar race knowing that? Uh, granted no one i guess could argue uh whether it was real or not but it was just not you know it wasn't like a pepsi or a duracell or frosted flakes something that was super recognizable that folks might go huh your little team has sponsorship from them now nah, that's bs It's just one of those things where it was like oh, okay well the team is co-owned by Italian businessman Angelo Farrow, Vetro Racina sounds like it might be something from his general hemisphere of whatever, so no one asked about it. Well, the reason we had Vetro Racina on the car is, I believe it was Delco and GM. Uh, they were looking at other sponsorship opportunities and they ended up going with Panther Racing in I think it was 98. Uh, but this was a pretty decent sponsorship package that was being shopped around. I remember what the numbers were. felt like a couple million bucks, but it would have meant big things for us. And so this car that we'd run, which is largely filled with sponsors related to Greg Ray's family. They own big uh, uh, boat yacht, whatever, sales company in plano texas we'd have a lot of sponsors on the car related to that right mercury outboards and whatever whatever but for those who knew greg knew that that was the family business seeing those sponsors on the car didn't strike anyone as like oh hey this team is highly attractive uh to sponsors and look at the business interest they're getting kind of stood out as oh well really good driver comes from, you know, successful family, spending family money, and that's how this is getting paid for. It's not necessarily something that would attract major electronics company and corporations to side with us. So Vetro Racina went on the engine cover. Decent size. And the whole gaming of things here, Darren, was We had a meeting lined up with the folks who were shopping the sponsorship package and wanted to give the impression that there was a decent-sized company based on the size of the sticker put on the engine cover that was spending money with us. We were attractive to at least one company that wasn't related to Greg's family business and so that was the reason that was on the car but there was another thing too which was hilarious so for those of you who are younger this is going to be a strange meaningless reference but here in the late 90s the fax machine was the number one business communication tool you needed to send information back and forth email was taking off but if one company wanted to communicate something to another, Uh, within a business within whatever fax machines this crazy thing of feeding a sheet into what looked like a printer that would then digitize and dial up the number to another business with a fax machine on the other end and print that out it was just like magic like teleportation of data well part of the fax machine setup so one business knew what it was receiving from another business involved going in to the fax machine this is just this is not connecting this fax machine to a computer and opening up a software program where you typed in a bunch of information that programmed the fax this was actually pressing all the little buttons on the fax machine to set the header or the footer with your business name and a phone number, and whatever else. So if Marshall Pruitt sent a fax to Gilles DeFerrin uh, Incorporated, well, bottom of my fax to him would have the name I put in, Marshall Pruitt, and maybe a phone number and whatever else, and one coming back from him would have Gilles Deferrin Incorporated on the bottom. Our driver, Greg Ray, the day before this meeting with uh, Delco and whatever and all the the big sponsor package that ended up going to panther racing um remember greg from texas flying into our shop in northern california right by sonoma yeah uh, sonoma raceway and saying hey where's like an electronic store or a whatever store nearby need to go right now And i'm like oh okay so i remember if we hopped in his rental car and hopped in my car i think we hopped in mine drove over to uh like a target or a best buy or something and bought a fax machine now general racing in the office where he was sitting already had one maybe it was a little bit old maybe it was didn't have the ability for the programming that i mentioned but didn't fully understand what greg was after but i man he was just hot to go right now and get a fax machine so we went bought a fax machine brought it back to the shop went into one of the smaller offices there i think my little office and he cracked it open, turned it on <coughs> and starts typing away like mad. And I'm like, what are you doing, Greg Ray? And he said, well, I'm, I'm programming in Vetra Racina. Like, what do you mean? Like, well, and then he explains the whole thing of like, well, you know, you can put in whatever info you want in the bottom and it automatically prints it out at the bottom of the facts. like, Okay i guess i wasn't aware of that fact until mid to late 1997 um and so knowing that we had this presentation dinner and presentation with mike i forget his name He since passed or maybe it was brad i apologize he's since passed really good guy um <clears throat> knowing that we had this meeting with him the next day uh in nearby marin um <laughs> greg was like well uh so we've had vetro racina on the car and uh i am programming vetro into this new fax and i'm going to write a sponsorship commitment letter from vetro racina and fax it from this new one now I remember why he bought the new one this fax machine to genoa's fax machine and i think it was for like a million and a half um and we're going to go and have this meeting and uh, we're going to tell them that we've already got sponsorship and this company is wanting to spend money with us and that it can only help us because without it, I think we're looking a little raw and exposed as not really having a lot of convincing reasons to spend with us. And so that, uh, again, call it cheating. Um, that's what happened. Bought the fax machine, wrote the fake, uh, sponsorship, uh letter from vetro racina sent it received it and the sending you know three from three feet away um sent it was received on the genoa fax uh was then placed into whatever sponsor proposal put in front of the gentleman Had a nice dinner um i think it was the first time at dinner that i I was like assistant team manager and assistant race engineer and all kinds of assistant stuff at the time really small team so we all did many roles um i think it was the first time at that dinner where i had uh bread with balsamic vinegar um and oil so yeah i know that's a strange thing to stand out but i was like oh hey this is good but i sure can't get these two to mix very well um and it was a really nice dinner and uh he seemed to Bite on the hey we've already got a million and a half lined up from a sponsor and then obviously you know we bring some family money here and you know with you pushing us over the edge uh with your funding package boy we're gonna go dominate and uh they ended up not going with us which was sad for us not a surprise because we were tiny and a bunch of nobodies but uh yeah so that might be a really truly alternate cheating story it didn't end up working nor should they right uh but yeah i remember that i'll put that in autobiography one day maybe because it was just one of those like man of 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 all the angles i had never thought of the fake facts but not just you know anyone could type up a fake letter and send it via fax but the actual going and buying a fax machine Putting in cena's name and contact info in the automated footer or whatever that would print out, so it looked 100% authentic. I'm like, man, this is some high-level strategery here. Um, I think that's our show, y'all. We've got a lot of questions that are similar. Kurt Pose, you got one here that isn't similar. Um, so you've covered how many junior open-wheel drivers are turning to sports cars to get more seat time. Do you know of any that are trying to bolster their Oval experience with other series? Do the limitations for that on the road indie Indy? Um, so wishing the best for y'all from a rainy Portland. Um, no, I do have a bit of a testing story or opinion column here to come soon, Kurt, on Racer. So that might be one to uh, to check out. Austin Taylor. Marshall, have you heard of any IndyCar teams going into NASCAR? NASCAR teams going into IndyCar? Uh, yeah, we know Michael Andretti is trying to get into NASCAR if not already started that process and we know that Rick Hendrick is teaming with Arrow McLaren next year uh, or currently but on track actual race their first will be next year with Kyle Larson and we do know that uh Mr. Hendrick seems to have a growing interest in IndyCar so who knows if that could develop into something more than just one race in the future all right y'all that's our show Thank you, as always, for everything you sent in to our guy, Jerry Suddath, for assembling them, and to our partners at Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, torontomotorsports.com, and Discount Tire. We'll speak to you very soon.